This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in His power and love even now as you listen. Pray with me. Father, we, we know that your word is like manna to our souls, and we pray that you would take it today and that you would use it to feed us, to nourish us, to equip us, to convict us, to comfort us, to challenge us. Lord, you know all of the needs in our lives today, and you know that you can take your word and by the power of your spirit that you can direct it right to the point of our deepest need. We pray that you would do that now. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll open your Bibles this morning to Joshua chapter 1. We're taking a little summer break here from um, Mark for a couple of weeks. And so I wanted to bring a special message today that is appropriate to Father's Day, but by no means is the message and the application limited to the dads who are here. This really is a passage about godly character that applies to men and women, boys and girls alike. And so let's look at it together. Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to look this morning at verses 1 through 9. Be strong and courageous. Joshua 1, and let's look at the first nine verses of that chapter. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, All the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's a great text. C.S. Lewis once wrote a book called The Abolition of Man. And in it, he says this, We are producing a generation of men with brains, men with stomachs, men without heart, men without chests. We make men without chests and expect of them virtue and enterprise. 
We laugh at honor and are shocked when we find traitors in our midst. Lewis wrote those words in 1943. And they are no less true today. Our culture desperately needs godly men and women of character. And this text tells us about what such a person looks like. I want us to get to get the several principles here from God's Word. First of all, such a person embraces God's calling. Let's look at verses 1 and 2 again. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. This is a crisis moment in the life of Joshua. Because his mentor, Moses, has just died, and Joshua now is assuming the mantle of leadership. And so Joshua is dealing with the, the personal grief of, a father, of the loss of a father figure in his life, but he's also at the same time dealing with this, this weight of responsibility and leadership that has been thrust upon him. He's, he's bearing a heavy weight. There's a scene in Lord of the Rings where Frodo, the, the ring bearer, the one who's, who's bearing the incredible weight of this uh, responsibility, says to his, his mentor, Gandalf, he says, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. To which his older, wiser friend, Gandalf, replies, So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for us to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. That's what God is saying to Joshua here. He's saying, Joshua, this is your time. This is the time that I have appointed for you to live. Listen, he says that to each one of us today. God says, I had you to be born at this particular time. He said, well, there's a lot of bad things happening in the world and in our culture. I wish I'd have been born at another time. No, you were born at the time that God purposed for you to be born. God has placed you in this time, in this setting, in this culture, to be His agent. God has placed you in the marriage that you're in. He has placed you in the family that you're in. He's placed you in the job that you're in. He has placed you in the school that you're in. He has placed you in the church that you're in for a purpose. And, and we are to embrace that calling and not run from it. And so, first of all, a godly man or woman of character embraces God's calling. Second, such a person believes and acts on God's promises. Let's look at verses 3 and 4. God says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Now, 40 years before, the children of Israel had been at this same exact spot, the edge 
of the Jordan River. The promised land was on the other side. Forty years earlier, they had come to the same spot at the edge of the Jordan, and instead of trusting God and crossing the river, they blinked. They turned back. They were faithless. And so God disciplined them by having the entire faithless generation die out. And now, 40 years later, a new generation has come to the edge of the Jordan, the promised land on the other side. And this new generation has to decide, are we going to trust God and move into the promised land, or are we going to be like the previous faithless generation? Are we going to refuse to trust God and turn back? In the film Black Hawk Down, there's a, a scene that takes place in this horrendous battle, the, the Battle of Mogadishu in Somalia in 1993 where a, a group of American soldiers uh, were trapped inside of the city of Mogadishu. And there was a rescue operation that took place involving Army Rangers and Delta Force operators. And at one point, uh, they've, they've, a group of them has made it out of the city, but, but, their, but their brothers are still trapped. Many of them are still trapped inside the city. And so they're going to leave no man behind. And so they, they, they know that they have to go back into that, that cauldron of fire to rescue their, their brothers. And there's a scene in which they're preparing to go back into the city. They've just finished wiping down a Humvee with, of, of blood and remains of one of their, their friends who has, has died. And as they're getting ready to go back into the city, there's one young private who says to his sergeant, he says, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can go back in. And his sergeant says to him, Thomas, we, we're all feeling the same way. But it's what you do right now in this moment that makes a difference. And he gets back, the private gets into the Humvee and they go back into the city. We all come to moments in our lives that are like Edge of Jordan moments. Where the decision that we make in that moment is going to dictate a lot of the rest of our lives. We come to, to specific moments in our lives, crisis points, turning points, and the decision that we make in that moment is going to determine in large measure how the rest of our lives play out. You may be at such a moment right now in your life. Trust God and move forward. Believe and act on His promises. The third principle that we see here about such a, a person, the faithful person, the person of godly character, is that they fear God and not man. Let's look at verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. This is God speaking to Joshua. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. In other words... Why, Joshua, would you fear puny man when God Almighty is by your side? 
And, and that's exactly how we conquer the fear of man. We conquer the fear of man by cultivating a healthy fear of God. Oswald Chambers once said this. Chambers said, The remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. The fourth principle that we see here is that the, the person of godly character practices God's presence. Verse 5, again. God says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Now, you know, to just say that we believe that God is with us sort of in an abstract way, that's not going to change our lives. To just believe that God is with us when we're sitting in church is not going to change our lives. But to believe that Almighty God is present with you moment by moment and to cultivate a moment-by-moment moment awareness of the presence of God so that you're living all of your life before the face of God, that changes everything. When I was growing up, I had sort of a, a love-hate relationship with roller coasters when we go to theme parks. I wanted to ride so badly, but I was terrified at the same time. I was attracted to them and yet repelled by them at the same time. But what would change everything is when my dad would say, I'll, I'll ride with you. That's exactly what God is saying here to Joshua and what He says to you and me. He says, I'll ride with you. I'm with you. We're going to do life together. And even when life seems like a roller coaster, as it often does, our Heavenly Father says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I'm with you. And so... We're to be aware of that. We're to practice God's presence. The fifth aspect that we see here about uh, the godly man or woman of character is, is that they're willing to step out in faith. Step out in faith. Let's look at verse 6. Be strong and courageous, God says, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Now, notice here in verse 6 that we see both the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of human beings. We see God's sovereignty in that God tells Joshua, listen, I've given this land. That was my decision. It's done. I've, I've, I've given this land to, to the people, to you and to the people. That's God's sovereignty. But then what does he say? He says... He says to, uh, to Joshua, you shall cause this people to inherit the land. In other words, I've given it, but I'm going to work through you. You and the people have to cross the Jordan and, and move into the promised land. Okay? So we, we, we see that so often in, in, in life. You know, much of walking with God is, is like this, where God promises, but in order to, to realize His promises, we have to step out in faith. And we have to, 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 to obey. We have to trust and obey. You know, 
God says, if, if, you'll, if you'll give of your tithes and offerings, you won't be able to outgive me. I'll bless you if you give. But in order, to, in order to, 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 to get those blessings, what do we have to do? We have to give. God says, I'm going to answer your prayers. I delight in answering your prayers. But in order to experience answered prayer, we have to pray. God says, if you'll be willing to be a witness... And, and to speak for me, for me to your, your friends, to speak of Jesus to your friends, I'll, I'll give you the words to say. But what do we have to do? We have to open our mouths and speak. God says, if you're willing to serve me in the context that I've placed you, maybe in your uh, a new assignment, in your, your job, or maybe serving in a certain uh, capacity in the church, God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you what you need to do that. Where I guide, I provide. I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to give you what you need to serve me. But in order to really experience that, you have to serve. You have to be willing to do it. God says that if we'll be people of the Word... God says that He will bring incredible blessings into our lives. Psalm 1 says that, that if, if, if we will meditate on, on God's Word, if we'll take His Word in, God says you'll be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf will not wither, and whatever you do, you'll prosper. He promises that to people of His Word. But guess what? God's not going to read your Bible for you. You have to do that. And so we see both here. We, we see promised blessings, but in order to realize those blessings, there's something we have to do. We have to step out in faith and obey. There's another principle here that we see, and, and it's this. The man or woman of God internalizes and obeys God's Word. Internalizes and obeys God's Word. Now, I, I was late to the party as far as uh, GPS technology and, and, and going places. Uh, you know, my, Melissa tried to encourage me to do it for, for a long time. Other people were getting GPSs. You know, I, I thought, I'd, you know, I, I'll just ask for directions. I've got it. I've got it covered. No problem. And then I got, finally got one, and it, it was great. Well, you know, GPSs are great until they're not. Have you noticed that? Right? So, and you've noticed times when they're, when they're not. Uh, you'll be riding someplace and it's telling you to turn. And if you turn there, you'd be turning into the woods, you know, or, or worse in certain cases. I heard about a guy in California a, a few years ago and his GPS told him to turn. And he turned and he, was, he turned down a railroad track. And uh, there's a locomotive bearing down. He managed to get out of the car. Uh, but the car and the GPS inside the car didn't fare too well in that, in that situation. Um, well, what's the problem when stuff like that happens? The problem is not with the GPS device itself, is it? The problem is, is with the information that it's downloading. And, and see, if you're going to navigate your way through life and the culture that we're living in, then brother or sister, you better be downloading the right information. And the right information is in God's Word. It will never let you down. It will never guide you in the wrong direction. The question is, are you taking it in and following it? Now that's what verses 7 through 9 are all about. Let's look at them. First of all, verse 7. 
Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Now the emphasis here, emphasis here in verse 7 is on being a doer of the word. A doer. Not just a hearer, but a doer. James tells us in his epistle that if you're just a hearer of the word and not a doer, he says you're like a person who looks in the mirror and then you walk away and you forget what you look like. Jesus says that if you're just a hearer of the word and not a doer, he says you're like a man who builds his house on sand. And when the storms of life come, it's washed away. But he says, if you'll hear my word and do it, then you're like a man who builds his house on a rock. And when the storms come, the house stands strong because it's built on the rock. And so, look at verse 7 here. He, he, he says, be careful to do according to all of, of my word. And then he says, do not turn from it to the right hand or the left. And then, notice, that God attaches a promise. He says, if you will be a doer of my word and not turn from my word, then this is what I promise to you, that you may have good success wherever you go. Now let's look at verse 8. He says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The emphasis here in verse 8 is on internalizing God's Word. So that the Word of God is not like water going through a pipe that just comes out the other side, but so that the Word of God gets, gets into you. It gets, it gets deeply into you. you. You internalize the Word. Well, some, what are some of, some of the ways that we can, can better internalize the Word of God? One way is to, to talk about it. That's what he means here at the beginning of verse 8 when he says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, talk about God's Word. After you read your Bible, or after you listen to a sermon, or after you, you experience a Sunday school lesson, Talk about it with somebody. Talk about it to your spouse or to your, uh, your, your kids or to, you know, to, to, a, to a friend. Um, when, you get, when you get together after church, talk about the sermon. So that you're, as you talk about it, it gets deeper into you. If you could just make it a natural thing of, of your life. You know, just, just to talk about, talk about sermons and talk about what you're learning from, from God's Word. Every time that you do that, it's getting in deeper. Talk about it. Pray about it. Pray about it. When you, when you read your Bible, pray over what you're reading. Okay? And engage the text with prayer so that you're applying it. 
pray over every part of Scripture that, that, you're, that, you're, that you're interacting with, okay? So, so talk about it, pray over it. It helps some of us to write about it. it for years, it's helped me to, to journal it's in my quiet time. And that is to just, just take the, the Scriptures that are especially speaking to me that day and write some reflections about that. And that, again, that, that helps it get deeper into my mind and my heart. Talk about it, pray about it, maybe write about it, preach to yourself about it. Now he tells us here in verse 8 to, to meditate on it day and night. Part of what that means, when the Bible talks about meditating on, on the Word, part of what that means is that you take it and you kind of preach to yourself, you encourage yourself. And so what that means is you're taking, you're taking the Scripture and, and you are essentially um, just talking to yourself about God's Word. You're, you're preaching to yourself. You're encouraging yourself. Do that with the Word. Take, take the promises and the commands of Scripture and, and apply them to your own life by, by preaching it to yourself, encouraging yourself with it. And then practice it. Practice it. How much of our Bibles do we really believe? The parts that we do. So put it into your life. Okay? When you listen to God's Word preached, when you read God's Word, when you study God's Word in a small group, ask the question, okay, how is this going to get into my living? What do I need to apply? Practice it. Okay, and so as we do these things, talk about it, pray about it, write it, preach it to ourselves, and put it into practice, then what's happening? We're internalizing God's Word. It's not like water going through a pipe. It's like getting into us, deeply into us. And then it comes out in our living. It changes life. And so... That's what verse 8 is talking about. It's, it's talking about it in, internalizing the Word of God. And once again, we have a promise attached to that, right? At the end of verse 8, For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And then in verse 9, we have this final amazing promise. God says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now notice the word your. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let me ask you something. Is the Lord your God? I'm not asking if He's the God. I'm asking if He is your God. Do you know Him? Scott asked the question last week. Is, it's one thing to say that Jesus is the King. He is. The question is, is Jesus your King? Is He your King? Have you relinquished the controls of your life so that He is King over every part of your life? Because He's either Lord of all or He's not Lord at all in your life. Do you know Him personally? Is He the Lord your God? When we think about all of these principles, when you put them together... Who is the only man who has ever practiced them perfectly? Only Jesus perfectly internalized and obeyed God's Word. 
Jesus is the one who perfectly stepped out in faith for us. Jesus is the one who perfectly practiced His Father's presence. Jesus had no fear of man. Jesus believed and acted on the Father's promise. And Jesus embraced God's calling. Jesus embraced the call that the Father had put on His life. And that call was to take the sins of people like you and me on Himself and bear the weight of the sin of the world to Calvary and to be raised from the dead. And He is alive today. His power is at work. His power is available to you and me. And it is only in His power and His strength that we can do any of the principles that Joshua 1 talks about. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You that You have provided for us. We know that, that we, we could never uh, follow the principles that we see in Your Word apart from Your power. Lord, it, it's, it's You transforming us from the inside out that can enable this. And we confess that none of us have done this perfectly. We have all fallen so far short. But we thank you for our Savior who has provided for our sins as he died for them on the cross. We thank you that he rose again, that he's alive, and that his spirit is at work. And that if we'll turn to Jesus in repentance and in faith, that He will forgive us and save us and empower us with His Spirit to be the men and women that You've called us to be. We thank You that when we follow You, that we have a, we have a mission in life. We have a grand purpose in life. Life becomes full of meaning as we embrace Your call, as we embrace the mission, the purposes that we're called to. Father, I would pray that to be the experience of every person who is in this room today. And we ask it in your name. Amen. If you're here today and God's speaking to you about a relationship with Him or perhaps a closer walk with Him, we would love to, to pray with you to, today. If you're here today and God's speaking to you about being a part of this church family and seeking membership here, uh, we would, would love to, to come alongside and welcome you and talk with you about that. Let's stand together as we sing. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your Son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in His finished work for me. In His name I pray.
You know, the Bible says this in John 1.12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving Father, and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. We worship at 8.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I can help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.